Amen. Thank you all you guys. Uh, from testimonies to songs to prayers, you guys filled me up. I'm grateful for that. Uh, we're continuing on a series in First Thessalonians this morning on dynamic ministry. And we've taken a look through these past weeks at a young church that was on fire for God. And taking an in-depth look at what that looked like. And this morning I want to continue uh, that series, and we actually want to look at a message I've entitled, Hopeless End or Endless Hope. And you have one or two choices here, guys. The truth of the matter is, statistics for death are pretty good. One out of every one person dies. You have to know how to live, but you also better be ready to die. And we want to look at that this morning. Uh, There's an old story about a guy that was walking down the street one day and he looked over the side and he saw death. Now, you you know, you don't want to see Mr. Death running around. He saw death and death had a look of confusion in his eyes. He thought, man, I'm getting away from him. And so he got away as quick as he could and he went to a wise friend. He said, I just saw death. What in the world does that mean? And his wise friend said, well... I hate to tell you this, but it sounds to me like he's coming to get you soon. Maybe like tomorrow. He said, what do I do? He said, well, if I was you, I'd hop in the car and I'd drive as fast as I could to a far off city to be way away from death so you'll be safe. And he said, man, that, that sounds good to me. So he jumped in the car, took off driving all night, got to this far away city and went, man, I'm safe. Got out of the car and he felt a tap on his shoulder. Turned around and there was Mr. Death. He goes, well, what are you doing here? He said, I don't know. I was confused. I was in your hometown yesterday and thought I've got an appointment with him here today. The point is, you can't escape death. No matter how you run, no matter how fast, no matter how far you go, at the appointed time, death will be there. Uh, Guys, so we need to know how to die in order to know how to live, in order to know the life that God wants us to have. It's inevitable. Uh, Years ago, John Wayne was interviewed by Barbara Walters. And uh, Barbara Walters uh, is talking to him. Uh, John Wayne said, you know, man, it's really tough. He was 71 at this time. And he said, it's really tough for me to look back at some of the motion pictures where I was younger. And he said, man... He says, man, I was was a handsome guy then. The years have kind of been tough on me. He said, don't get me wrong. He said, I'm not squawking about myself. I just want to be around a while longer. And there is that desire in us. You know, death is like a bully that's after us. Listen to this quote from Max Lucado, uh, favorite writer of so many of us. He says, death is the bully on the block of life. He catches you in the alley. He taunts you in the playground. He badgers you on the way home saying, you'll die someday. You see this bully as he escorts the procession of hearse-led cars. He's in the waiting room as you walk out of the double doors of the intensive care unit. He's near you as you stare at the pictures of the bombed bodies in the news. He's watching your expression as you slow your car past the crunched metal and the blanketed bodies on the highway. Your time is coming, he jabs. And if he achieves what he sets out to do, he'll make you so afraid of dying that you'll never learn to live. That is why you should never face death alone. The bully's too big for you to fight by yourself. That's why you need a big brother. 
Guys, uh, this morning, as we look in this section of Scripture in Thessalonians, we want to look at some truths in regard to death and truths in regard to life that awaits after death. And I want to ask you to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at verses 13 through 15. And as is our practice here in honor of God, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read silently. And we pray and jump in the message. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray. Master, we we are brought face to face with our own frailty. The fact that we are weak. The fact that we need help. The fact that we need the God of all creation to touch us. God, I understand, Lord, that as far as preaching goes, unless you show up, it's just a bunch of weak words. So Holy Spirit, I invite you here, God. Thank you for showing up already, for speaking to us. And God, I don't want to be the barrier to that. So Father, I just ask that you might move among us, that the Holy Spirit might just leak out. And God, that we might be moved. Oh Lord, show up in your power. For the Word says, it's not by power nor by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Oh, Spirit, have your way. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, first point here is the appearance of death. As we read here in uh, verse 13, he says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. There are some who think, well, when you die, that's it, man. It's like a soul sleep. Everything's gone. There's nothing else. But that's not what Scripture teaches. The actual word here speaks about the appearance of death. And, and the description here is that of sleep. There are several times in the Scripture here where there is a reference to death as being sleep. Uh, remember in John chapter 11, the death of the good friend of Jesus, a guy named Lazarus. And... It had been a few days and Jesus had not spoken back to his good friends, Lazarus' sisters. And they were heartbroken. And they knew that Jesus could make a difference. That Jesus had a plan. And in, in uh, Lazarus 11, verse 11, he's talking to his disciples and it says, After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. He'll heal up, Lord. It says here, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He was spoken of as just being merely asleep. And then there's a reference uh, when it talks about Stephen. Remember the deacon that was stoned for preaching the word and the people got upset? 
And they stoned him to death and said, at his death, he saw Jesus. He said, Jesus, receive my spirit. And the scripture says at the very end of Acts 7, it says, and he fell asleep. You know, isn't it interesting, when you're a kid, you don't want to take a nap and you fight it. And kids think it's like a punishment. i got to go to sleep. I won't go to sleep. No, Mom, no, Dad, and they fight and everything. Man, when you get older, it's a reward. You get older, you think, man, I just want a couple hours to just kind of crash and zombie out. It feels so good to rest and to sleep. And it's interesting, in, in the... In the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, it talks about the Old Testament kings 36 times. It says, and they rested with their fathers. As a rest from a hard labor, it's described in those, in those Scriptures where uh, graveyards actually technically spoken of like a sleeping place. But the Scripture says that one day from that sleeping place, there will be an awakening. Listen to Daniel 12, verse 2. It says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake... Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Here's the sobering news here, guys. There's only two places to go when you wake up from the nap. One place is to be with a heavenly Father and it's to know eternal rest. It, it's, it's to know life as it's meant to be known. But the other place, and we don't like to talk about this a lot of times in church, but it's what the Bible says clearly. The other place is a place of torment. It's a place of suffering. And it's not a place you want to go. It's, it's not a place I want anybody to go. And the Bible says it's a reality. And, and man, this thing called death, we're all going to face it. And once it comes, there's only one or two options. And you don't want to get stuck with the wrong option. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. I just want to share a couple of verses. There is a description here in Luke 16 of life after death. I want you to notice here, uh, starting at verse 19, Jesus never says this is a parable. So so I, I believe He's talking about an actual event here. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. 
couple of points here. There's a picture of him being in hell. He's not asleep. He's conscious. He didn't fall asleep and there's nothing else. He's down there and he's conscious and and he's got emotions. He's got feelings. He can feel what's happening down there and it's not good. And he's in torment. Notice how it says clearly he's, he's suffering. Some people say, man, I want to go to hell and I want to have a big party because it's the best party place to be. All my friends are going to be down there and we're going to go to hell and men, we're going to party on. Wrong. Uh, this is something a little unusual. I'd ask Jeff to share. I had found this. Uh, Mark and I had talked uh, Wednesday in our prayer time. He told me about this book he had read called 23 Minutes in Hell. I, ha- I haven't read the book, but I got to thinking about that. Looked up the guy's name. Found out he had done an interview on Fox News. And what the deal is, from 3 to 3.23, he woke uh I'm not sure if he woke up or had a vision or exactly, but man, he had a vision of what hell was like for 23 minutes. His wife was praying for him. She knew something was wrong. And anyway, he had given an interview at Fox News. It was like uh, six minutes or something. I took about two and a half minutes, two to three minutes of it that I just wanted to show you. Um, because I think there is value sometimes. God does speak. Now, I want you just to see what this guy shared about hell. I found myself falling through the air and landed in a prison cell in hell. It was so unbearably hot, far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered how could I be alive in this heat. You have to fight and gasp for any tiny bit of air, and this is how you breathe in hell. It's like... You don't have enough air. The odors in hell are so foul and putrid and disgusting. It's the smell of uh, burning sulfur and uh, an open sewer, uh, burning flesh. Everything you can imagine that's terrible. I had absolutely no strength in my body. You're completely void of any kind of strength in hell. Any movement took tremendous effort. It's completely terrifying beyond any words I can ever paint a picture of. I noticed there were these two uh, creatures in the cell. I didn't realize what, realize what they were yet, but they were pacing and they had a hatred for God and for me. They weren't animal and they weren't human either. I don't know what they were, but um, they were like large protruding jaw, huge teeth, claws. And the one grabbed me and picked me up and threw me into the wall. I felt bones break. The other one picked me up and dug claws into my chest. It had about foot-long claws. And I collapsed on the floor. They had no mercy whatsoever. I was taken out of the cell, and I was placed over next to this large pit of fire, raging flames, hundreds of feet in the air. And this is where I first saw people. There were people actually burning, literally burning in hell. It was not metaphorical or allegorical fire. It was real, literal fire. And the people were screaming. It was so loud and deafening to hear all these people scream. And uh, the most awful sight I can't even really describe to you. There were all kinds of creatures around this uh, perimeter. Uh, You know, deformed, twisted-looking creatures. There were snakes and maggots and uh, creatures that were large, 12 and 13 feet tall, and some small. Uh, Everything had a distinct evilness about it. I wouldn't want to go back there for five seconds. If anybody could see it for just that amount of time, they would change real quick. The fear level in hell is so intense. It's so far beyond anything I can describe. I felt completely isolated, 
um, lonely, hopeless. There's no one going to come rescue you. No one to protect you. There's no Calvary coming over the hill to protect you. You're alone there. There's no angels. There's no God. Is is the most horrific thing anyone can ever imagine. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to end up in hell. Hell is a real place. You want to avoid it at all costs. I want to share that because sometimes, to be honest with you guys, that there's a verse in Ephesians. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. A song by Keith Green sometime back that really stuck in my head. It's called A Sleep in the Light. And I'm afraid too often we fall asleep in the light. I'm guilty too, guys. Y'all know I much prefer to talk about the wonderful love of God. But part of the wonderful love of God means that you're saved from something. And, and, and I want to go on here from this point. As I focus on the Scripture, the rest of this message, I want, to, I want to focus on the fact that in Jesus Christ there is security, there is hope, there is assurance, but without Christ, it's a hopeless end. And I don't want to miss that before we move on. It's because it's critical, it's crucial. Because if you leave here without Christ, then you have nothing except a hopeless end. It's it's serious business. But for the one who bows their heart to Jesus Christ and says, Master, I need a Savior. Master, I am a sinner. Master, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is finished. It's complete. And in you, man, I have it. And, And the one who willingly does that, who places his faith, confidence, trust in Christ, bows his heart, asks Jesus to come live inside, it says he becomes a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And there's that hope. And and you see, as as Paul was speaking to these young believers in the Thessalonian church, they had had some dear friends who had died. And and they were worried because Paul, man, and he preached. The Holy Spirit worked through him. And I mean, people got it, you know. And, And Paul said, Jesus is coming back. And they got that. They said, man, He's coming back. And they're looking for Him. And the Bible says, watch and pray. Like our brother shared, can't give you an exact moment of time, but I can tell you this, it's soon. And, and see, that was a, that was a point. And, and, and they were worried. They said, man, what's going to happen? They were ignorant about this idea of death. You know, they, they died. What about Jesus? Have they missed the return of Jesus? Have they missed Him? And so Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to know the truth. And so we look at the Scripture here. Uh, going back here to Thessalonians. He says, uh, <laughs> we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Amen. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. And I love this next part because Paul says, man, this ain't just me talking. Look at verse 15 here. He says, according to the Lord's own word. He said, this comes from the lips of Jesus. He says, man, this hope that I'm sharing with you, it's not Paul telling you. This is from Jesus Himself. Man, Jesus, He he loves you. He'll comfort you to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They're with the Master Himself. <laughs> They're there. They know hope. They know hope. And when somebody dies that you love, man, it's it's tough. And let's face it, people who really love you, you don't ever really get over that. You 
just look forward to the reunion that awaits. You know what I mean? As you look in the Old Testament, the Jews would mourn for a month. They took mourning seriously. It wasn't just a day or two, we're going to have a funeral, and then you go, you're over it. Because we all got to go back to our lives. Now they had a month where they, they mourned and they grieved. And the Egyptians, they took 70 days of, of grieving. And there's stages that uh, has been proven people go through as they grieve. They start out with denial. This can't be happening. And then it moves to guilt. There's something I could have done to prevent this, to change it. And then there's anger. Why, God? Why'd you let this happen? And then after that, there's depression. It's just like, oh man, I'm alone. And then finally, it moves into acceptance. As it says in Job 1, verse 21, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And we can praise Him. We can love Him. Martin Luther, of course, the man that God so spoke to about the just shall live by faith. His daughter, 14-year-old daughter, Magdalena, was sick with a plague. Her body lay crumpled on the bed. Martin prayed. He said, God, you know I love you. And you know with all of my heart I love Magdalena. God, and you can heal her. You can take this away. You can, God, you can make her whole. I know you can. But God, I also know that you may not. And you are my God. You are my master. Regardless. As he looked at his beloved 14 year old girl. He said to her. Magdalena. Do you want to stay with your daddy? Or would you rather go home and be with your father in heaven? She said. Oh Papa. As the Lord wills. And later that night, little Magdalena died. And Martin, all of his faith and all of his belief was crushed. He wept. They said these words. Oh, my dear Magdalena, you will rise and shine like the stars and the sun. How strange to be so sorrowful and yet to know that all is at peace and that all is well. You see, in spite of the grief, in spite of the pain, Martin knew that there was more. There was more. That wasn't all. There's more. Man, it's good. He was moved, and, and there is more. Um, one guy was—he was so broken over the death of, of his wife, and the pastor's trying to comfort him. He said, "I'm." He said, I'm sorry about your great loss, what you've lost. And he said, Preacher, I ain't lost anything. I know exactly where she is. And there is a hope there of knowing exactly, exactly where she is. You know, really instead of saying he died or she died, it would be more accurate to say he moved or she moved. When Stephen was sown, he said, Lord, receive my spirit. When Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. What happened? They moved from one place 
to a better place. And these old bodies, as time goes on, they speak louder to us, don't they? Uh, listen to this birthday card I ran across. Uh, on the front it says, you know what they say about age, it's all in your mind. You open the card up and it says, and in your legs, your arms, your neck, your arches, your back, your shoulders, etc. Sir Walter Scott said, death, the last sleep, no, it is the final awakening. Let me tell you guys, I can't, I don't know fully death. I know it says in the Scripture in uh, Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. I know it's more than I can even comprehend or imagine in His fullness. And it awaits us. And it is ours in Jesus Christ. It's the final awakening. Now when we die, then we'll be more alive than we've ever been. Because we will be with Him. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a master speaker in his day, preacher of the Word. When his wife tragically died, he was heartbroken. Kids were in the car. They were driving back after the funeral. He wanted to find some way to comfort his kids. And I want to just share with you what he wrote. I was driving with my children to my wife's funeral where I was to preach the sermon. (laughs) As we came into one small town, there strode down in front of us a truck that came to stop before a red light. It was the biggest truck I ever saw in my life. And the sun was shining on it at just the right angle that took its shadow and spread it across the snow on the field beside it. As the shadow covered that field, I said, Look, children, at that truck and look at its shadow. If you had to be run over... Which would you rather be run over by? Would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow? My youngest son said, the shadow couldn't hurt anybody. That's right, I continued. And death is a truck, but the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. The truck ran over the Lord Jesus. Only the shadow has gone over mother. Okay, guys, uh, I'm at a time of response. We call it invitation to the Lord to do business with God. Where are you at, man? If death came, would it be the truck that runs you over? Or would it be the shadow of the cross? See, there's only two. Where are you? Where's your heart? Are you safe because of the shadow, because Jesus was run over by the truck and, and now you're in His shadow and, and you know His safety? Or are you, are, are you stuck? Because see, without Jesus, guys, it's called condemnation, it's called punishment that awaits us, and, and He's the only way out. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, that's it. And, and so we, we have an altar that's open and be at the front, but right where you are, you don't do business with anybody but the Lord God Himself. You can bow your heart. And you can pray and you can say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. 
I need to be saved. I need you to enter my heart, to change me, to make me new, and to forgive me. You can do that right now. You can do that this moment. Time we call invitation. Matter of fact, you have to do it. It has to be between you and God. Nobody else will do it for you. Make sure. When you leave this place, guys, make sure that you got the issue settled. Because there is only two hopes. It's either an endless hope or a hopeless end. Which do you have? Let's pray. God, it's a good day to be here. What do you want, Master? Why even try to play games with you? You know us inside and out. You know every inch of us. God, we want to be honest this morning. Is it hopeless end or endless hope? Oh God, let no one leave here to a hopeless end. May this morning one trust Jesus. Bow the heart to pray, place faith, and then no life that's everlasting, that's freeing from condemnation and judgment. Lord, do your work. Father, I just ask that the hearts you're speaking to, that we may come forward to this altar to pray, that we may come forward to share with the body of Christ a miracle that you've done in a a life of trusting Jesus and finding hope. Uh, Father, this is about you. We want to worship you, and we want you to have your way. So Holy Spirit, be free this morning. And as we sing, as we come, may it all be in response to your call. Master, as you call, may we listen and come. In your name we pray. Amen.